Welcome to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. And a very pleasant good Saturday afternoon to you. Harry Alexander with you on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, and uh, Bunker de France is in the studio. Yes, sir. And on the line we have Michael Farmer out in Virginia. And uh, howdy, Michael. Hi, guys. How you doing? We'd be doing, doing fine. Doing great. You know, I just realized Wonderful. something, Harry. We're one-third of the prescribed distance apart. Is that, That's fine with me. Um, I don't care. I don't either. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. I just don't care. Just reach out and touch someone. I just don't care anymore. Um, anyway, Michael, Michael has written a buttload of books, uh, uh, yep. a lot of Westerns, and two books about phys- physics. Uh, he was a physicist in a in a previous life, and he still is. Well, yeah, but he now writes uh, westerns. Has western physics, and I I think that is uh, that that is just way cool. So. I'm amazed. You know, this man just totally blows me away with his writing abilities and skills here. All right. <clears throat> yeah, I want. First off, I want to. I want to thank you, Michael, for joining us again. And I want to thank all the listeners out there for putting up with us and and bearing with us. Uh, and it's just, you know, I I think this just is great. And I want to say right off, starting off, that if you don't nominate this book for a spur, I may just come out there to West Virginia and hunt you up. <laughs> <laughs> this book is just it's I you know, I. I I'm not one to get excited or or go over the top, but <laughs> this thing to me, I, and I, I, I've been collecting books all my life, buying books, reading books. This book, I, to me, is a masterpiece. It really is. And well, uh, I'm really honored that you say so. Well, I, you know, I've got on my bookshelf. I got tons of books. Most of the time, when I finish a book. I'll give it away to somebody. Well, I'm really get, honored that you say so. Well, you're going up there next to Lost Pony Tracks by Charlie Russell. Uh, <laughs> no, Trails Plowed Under by Charlie Russell. Well, I'm really honored that you say so. Lost Pony Tracks by Ross Santee. And anything by uh, Eugene Manlow's Roads. But, yeah, well, I'm you know. really honored that you say so. Yeah, yeah. He's one of my favorite writers, too. Well, you know, uh, what? Let's just get right down to business. Well, what really inspired you to write yeah, this book? Yeah, he's one of my favorite writers too. Uh, well, you know, the the things that you see in the movies, for the most part, about uh, Indians like Geronimo, were that they were basically bloodthirsty savages. And in their day, when the wars were going on, it was, uh, uh, they were real hard nuts, you know. They killed anybody they came across. Uh, they weren't, probably weren't nearly as bad as what the movies portrayed. But I, I had, uh, begun studying the, uh, uh, I got curious about what happened to, uh, to Geronimo after he surrendered. And I was kind of amazed to learn that that he was a prisoner of war for the rest of his life. That was 23 years. Yeah. And the Chiricahuas, uh, who had been forced to surrender with him, uh, were there for 27 years. Yeah. And so uh, I started researching it, and I was just uh, amazed at the... Uh, uh, the, 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 uh, the human interest kind of story that, that you find in, uh, in what happened in his life. You know, he, uh, he went from a, uh, uh, a war chief for the, uh, for the Chiricahuas, for Naichi, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, wound up when he, uh, 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 died, uh, essentially having, uh, what we would call, uh, $270,000 in the bank. Uh, he had become an astute businessman. He had, a, uh, uh, ridden in a president's inaugural parade. He had fathered two children. He had married, uh, uh, 
uh, three wives and uh, 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 lost lost three and uh you know it it, the 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 drama and the uh, and the human element were were just really there and uh you know i i'm uh, a man of fairly limited abilities when it comes to writing but the uh the the i just couldn't leave the uh, leave the story alone i think somebody that that is that would be uh uh, a lot better than I could have really made it a much better story than it was. Well, you know, I've got to, I've got to say that one of the things that impressed me is, you know, because it's, it's told in the first person, and in fact, right. it, it, it reads like an autobiography. It doesn't read like a, a fictional uh, an accounting of somebody, and I think Geronimo said this, and then I think he did that. Uh, your history is so right on. I've, 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 I don't know how many times I've read Geronimo's different histories, and most and most of them are pretty consistent with each other. And the history is consistent right on from beginning to end. But one of the other things, which again just totally impressed me, is when you're writing in the first person, uh, the descriptive prose generally has the feeling of. Uh, first person, whereas here, and it's the voice of Geronimo, the way the way he the way he is thinking and his uh, words are expressed. You know, it's like it's like almost like reading Zane Gray describing something. You know, where you know the color of the flowers and and which way the wind's blowing and it just the you know how many birds are out there. It's just it's just a I think it's a tremendous fleet, uh, feat, and you know to say you're not much of a writer, shame on you. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, and uh, see, this I got something here. I wanted to, I wanted to throw out there at you, and I'm just trying to find it here. It's uh, oh, here we go. Uh, in your list of other books previously, you got a book listed, Prisoner of Lies. And uh, what part did that play in in uh, the creation of this book? Well, Prisoner of Lies is a is a uh, a series of, of historical essays. They're short. They're about about uh, a thousand to fifteen hundred words long, and and there is uh, it's it's all history. Yeah, and and it has uh, it has photographs that that go with each essay so that you can kind of get your your mind into what the uh, what the history is talking about but that's really a a uh, a history book and it's and it's basically uh, a summary of the uh, of the research that I did to write the novel that's kind of what I thought you know. um yeah you know you you said something there about you know the the uh how they were as fighters and and ruthless and whatnot, but you know a lot of people, and especially historians, forget that how ruthless the Spaniards were to them, and also which plays an important part yeah. in the in the story of Geronimo because of what they did to his family and and what they created by that act. Right. Right. I think a lot of people, uh, even today, uh, uh, don't realize that uh, the Apaches didn't scout people, for no. example. I mean, it was uh, they didn't like to handle dead bodies, and so uh, the mutilations that went on really didn't really didn't uh, occur until uh, after after a person was pretty much gone, although they didn't hesitate to uh, to torture them to death. But, uh, uh, you know, they learned they learned uh, uh, scalping, basically, from the Spaniards. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, one, one of the things I love, I, I'm just, I'm just going to say, this, I'll read the title, because so folks will know what book we're talking about. The Odyssey of Geronimo, 23 Years, A Prisoner of War, a novel. And I love your analogy of, you know, the Odyssey. And in the beginning of the book there, 
you have a little kind of, uh, I guess, set up the story thing. It's. Uh, do you have a copy of your book there with you by any chance? Sure, I sure. Uh, would you read that little paragraph there? You know, explains the the parallel to uh, Homer's Odyssey to this story here. Okay, uh, this this is in the preface on page right. twenty three. Well, not the, oh, yeah. in the in the uh, in the uh, not for sale copy that we got. It's right there after the uh, uh, rice reserved and all it's that before the dedication and the table of contents. It's the one that starts out for the Odyssey of Geronimo, this epic warrior's journey after ten years and goes. Yeah, on. right, right, right. The Odyssey is a Greek epic poem attributed to Homer that describes the 10-year journey home of Odysseus. At the end of the 10-year war, the Greeks finally won using the famous deception of the Trojan horse as told in Homer's Iliad. The story of Geronimo's wars and the way General Nelson Miles finally deceived him into surrendering with false promises is an epic story that mirrors the Iliad with its mighty warriors, innumerable battles, and those who fell on the field of battle. Geronimo was a prisoner of war for 23 years. Those years are his odyssey. They are filled with trials and years of wandering across the land claimed by the White Eyes as he worked to return to the land of his birth. Geronimo's Odyssey is an epic that reveals his strength and character and that of the Chiricahua Apaches working to be free and independent of the White Eyes. Geronimo's death was the key that unlocked the door for the Chiricahua Apaches to escape their captivity four years later and continue as a people. His memory and his spirit continue to this day. That's even better than the one in the advanced copy. I like that. <laughs> well, you know, uh, you got in the beginning of the book, there are a list of characters, and there's only one right. person in the whole list that's fictional, and that's Grayson. And just out right. of curiosity, and I think that I think it's a, a fine, a fine stroke because he's he's kind of like uh, this specter that's there, but you. You know, you don't know why or what's going on. Could you tell us a little bit about right. Grayson and why you yeah, why you brought him yeah. in there? Well, you don't you don't write a uh, a western unless you have uh, something to give you a little a little action. And uh, I put Grayson in there because uh, I I really thought that. Uh, General Miles uh, was paranoid about about uh, Geronimo getting away and uh, ruining his career, pretty much like he did with uh, with uh, General Crook. You know, uh, the last five months that uh, Geronimo was out with his little little band of eighteen men and and uh, twenty two women and children. Uh, he uh, 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 basically uh, uh, ran circles around around a quarter of the uh, of the U.S. Army, three thousand Mexican military, and innumerable posses. And uh, uh, as as a result, uh, he had a. Uh, 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 an ability to uh, really, really uh, drive General Miles right up the wall, uh, <laughs> because uh, when he, uh, uh, he he didn't he didn't suffer a single casualty, he didn't suffer uh, uh, any uh, uh, anybody wounded or killed, and and none captured. And so uh, uh, Miles ultimately had to resort to uh, uh, a, a, a fiction, a lie, and he knew it was a lie at the time, to catch him. 
I'm going around my elbow to tell you that that uh, he was he was so fearful that once Geronimo was caught that he might get away again and and ruin him like he had uh, General Crook's career with uh, with the Secretary of the Army who was General Sheridan, and so uh, I it it would not be beyond the pale in my imagination to think that uh, he probably hired somebody on his own ticket. Mm-hmm. kind of keep an eye on Geronimo and if he uh, was going to uh, to escape and uh, Geronimo surely would have escaped if he could have pulled it off then uh, uh, Grayson was going to be there to take care of him for General Miles so he didn't suffer any any real embarrassment and so uh, uh, you know I, I had I had him appearing at, at different places uh, just just enough for Geronimo to know that he was there throughout the uh, story until they finally had a had a uh, an end of the day meeting uh, both literally and figuratively and uh, uh, I, I I used Grayson as a as a character to, to you know to, to keep a little dramatic tension. Mm-hmm. Going there while uh, Geronimo was going through all of these uh, other difficulties that he had. Well, you know it makes sense because you know I bet if a person was able to just really get down into uh, the minuscule uh, correspondence uh, between Miles and various Indian agency people and stuff like that, with you know just just the off the record requests for what's going on with the old boy, you know what's happening with Geronimo. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure that had to be going yeah. on. It just makes sense. Well, it, yeah, and you can see that in uh, you know Miles. Miles kind of paid his dues when he finally got the uh, the Chiricahua's back to Fort Sill, and he was a, a a driving force to to get them out of Alabama back to uh, back to at least Oklahoma. But uh, when you look at the conversations that he had with uh, with his uh, officers, like uh, Hugh Scott and uh, uh, Captain Moss. Uh, you, you get a real sense that uh, you know he wanted an eye kept on Geronimo. There just mm-hmm. wasn't any any question about it. Yeah, it, it makes sense because you know when you think about it, uh, we you know the same you could say in a sense about Cook that you know he he showed an interest in what was going on with Geronimo uh, long after he was out of the military. And, uh, yes, and that, I think that would be pretty much, I think it's just, it's just human nature. Anybody uh, involved with a man of this stature and legendary uh, presence would, you know, they, if there's something in the paper, they're going to read it. If somebody's in town that's been out to Fort Sill, they might just drop by and say, hey, what's going on out there? It's just, it's human nature. You're in tune with Amo yep. Franzi's Voices of the West on uh, Saturday afternoon. I'm Harry Alexander, Bunker to France here. Our guest is author Michael Farmer, and I think Todd Roberts is with us. Todd, are you, can you hear me? I am here, gentlemen. There he How is. Are you? We are well. Well, why aren't you talking time? more? Well, he just connected up. But oh, okay. It, and just because he connected up, I have to take my first break. So. Oh, okay. I mean, that, that's just how it is. Sorry, well, guys. Well, you know, Harry, my timing's always impeccable. I know. It's your fault, Todd. <laughs> Anywho, before we do that uh, break, I need to tell you about uh, No Place for a Woman. Popular history tells us that women gained the right to vote back in 1920 with the 19th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. But if you pick up a copy of Chris Enns' latest book, No Place for a Woman, you'll learn women were voting as early as 1870 in the Wyoming Territory. They were. They were, indeed. Enns uh, tells the stories of three women whose work and lobbying helped usher in a new era for expanding women's rights. And this is a must-have book for your Western collection. Get your copy of No Place for a Woman at Amazon.com, at BarnesandNoble.com, or at ChrisEnds.com. And do listen for Chris on the Voices of the West program, April 18th at 4. Two weeks ago. Yeah, she's going to talk about uh, No Place for a Woman, and we're going to pick her brain about uh, the Pinkertons. So, with that, we'll be back with much more right after these messages. 
Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were built. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallion.com or call 520-297-0252. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club is one of the best kept economic secrets in town. This 900-member group maintains one of the finest shotgun shooting ranges in the country, featuring trap, skeet, five-stand, and sporting clays fields, and hosts national and international events that bring thousands of people and millions of dollars into our community. The Spring Satellite Grand American Tournament alone involves 1,200 participants for 10 days. Learn more about this and their other contributions to our community at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. As we recognize the service of America's men and women in uniform, Let's also honor the families who sacrifice so much every day. Military families endure frequent deployments and separations. They carry on while their loved ones are sent into harm's way and wait patiently for their safe return. If you really want to honor a veteran, look for ways to support their families and thank them for their sacrifices. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond checking stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911 Read classic western comics anytime at voicesofthewest.net Come on you lazy cowboys, rise and shine Another day, a dollar's pay, and everything looks fine There's work to do, a plenty to rise and shine we are back on Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. A little bit of Sons of the Pioneers there. Rise and shine, you lazy cowboys. Son of a gun of the Pioneers. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're talking with author uh, Michael Farmer. Uh, he's out in Virginia, and his book is uh, The Odyssey of Geronimo, 23 Years a Prisoner of War. It's a novel. And uh, so and he's, it reads like history. And he's, on, he's on the line with us, and Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. Angeles is with us on another line. We got lines all over the damn place. Yeah, got more lines than uh, <laughs> we, we, just, we just throw out lines and, you know. It's kind of like a bass tournament. You think you were a fisherman. It's exactly, just yeah. like a fisherman, man. Yeah, like a bass tournament. You know, so. how many, see how many lines we can pull in. There you go. Well, Todd, have you got any questions you want to jump in there with? Well, I, I, I know this is going to be out of left field, and I apologize for being late in the first place, but uh, Mr. Farmer, there was a there's been a story, and I saw it in a film once on TNT about Geronimo in his younger years, and it was said, or they portrayed it in the film, that he got into a battle with some either Mexican police or federales, or probably Mexican federales or army, and they sh several of the enemy shot at him several times, and he was never hit. And from that, he, a legend was built amongst him and in the tribe as well that he was, he had very big medicine and no bullet could kill him. No bullet could pierce his skin or penetrate him. And um, 
I wanted to know if that was true. Number one, if it is, did he believe it as much as the tribe or his fellow warriors believed it, or did they believe it more than he did? Um, and lastly, what was Geronimo's Indian name translated into English? Well, before Michael jumps in there, Geronimo was his Mexican name. Right. Uh, and, right. Uh, but we'll let Michael go from there. I, I couldn't hear anything that was oh, said. I thought oh, so. Okay, well, uh, basically, I'll, Todd's question was uh, that whenever Geronimo would go into battle and, and he faced a battle with uh, a bunch of uh, federales uh, or troops, uh, Mexican troops, and uh, many shots were fired, yet uh, the bullet seemed to bounce off of him, and it was said that he had uh, big medicine. Uh, any any truth to that? Uh yeah, uh, I, I think so. If you, uh, uh, he was he was wounded many times. Uh, the the uh, artist uh, 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 Burbank Burbridge mm -hmm. uh, had had uh, seen Geronimo with his uh, with his shirt off. And uh, Geronimo let him count the, the wounded places on him. And uh, Burbank claimed that uh, uh, he counted more than more than fifty hmm. wound spots. Some of the wounds were so deep that you could take a, a small pebble and and uh, and drop in them. So he so uh, he Geronimo, didn't so he didn't really have big he big medicine then. Oh, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> No, yeah, he 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 really did. He uh, he was wounded uh, any number of times, even in the in the record. But what the uh, uh, he believed the the power that he had was that it would not kill him. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, the the uh, the great Apache creator god Usen uh, basically uh, basically told him after his family was wiped out. Uh, that uh, uh, no bullet would kill him, uh, that his arrows would fly true, and uh, he got he got reinforcement of that uh, a time or two afterwards. So uh, you know the the Apaches really uh, appreciated that that power. Uh, that that's what made him uh, uh, as strong a leader as uh, as he was. You know, you might, we might we might mention too that the fact is that uh, you know quite often history refers to Geronimo as a chief when he was actually a medicine man, a dying, and that was part of his power or his medicine was you know he had this vision that Houston told him that like as you said no bullet will will uh, kill him, and the and that's one of the great again great things in the book is you know his belief in his God, you know, and, and in, in a portion of that book where he is now, he goes through being a Christian and finally goes, you know, hey, Christian God, it's okay. Usen, okay. I think I'll, I'll stick with Usen because he seems to be truer to me and my way than uh, the European version of what you know what it is because it just it didn't seem practical to him. Well, I I think the uh, the the real dividing line was that you know he uh, after after uh, he was baptized, uh, the record says that that for about three years he lived an exemplary life according to the uh, the Dutch Reformed Church. Rules, mm -hmm. which said uh, no drinking, no gambling, no horse racing, no uh, no raising hell in general, and uh, uh, he he just came to the point uh, he had had kind of backslid some, and he finally came to the point where uh, he said, uh, I, "I'm not gonna I'm not gonna live like that. I think Christianity is is a is a really good thing." But the rules that they make for you to follow it uh, just just uh, take all the joy out of life. Right. And so he 
he lived accordingly. Yeah, and you know, I think too that you know what happened with his grandson, and because you know, as as a medicine man, it was very important for him to to be able to function as a healer, and that was I think part of the thing where he he felt like his power had weakened, and he thought maybe the uh, white man's god seemed to have power and when it got but when it got down to push to shove uh he said you know maybe the white god's more powerful but usin seems to answer me better yeah well i've got another question for you here and this is this is this is uh todd likes to do off the wall and and where did that question come from but uh there was a a patching lady named usin now excuse me i've got I'm, I'm getting myself confused. Lozen. And uh, Lozen. from what I have read, she, uh, sometime after the death of uh, Victorio, uh, she ended up down there and jo- uh, joining Geronimo's band. And with uh, Doctese, they, they became like couriers or messengers for Geronimo. That she was with him when he surrendered, made the trip back from Bowie to... to uh, Fort Marion uh, ended up dying at uh, Mount Vernon Barracks, but uh, you didn't mention her. I'm just, I'm just curious. Was there a reason for that, or you just that you figured that that would be a distraction for the story? Well, well, no. uh, That what what you said about her is is not historically correct. Uh, she was a sister to uh, to Victorio, and the, the Apaches uh, uh, thought very highly of her as a as a warrior. But you have to understand that that uh, you were you were dealing with two groups: the Kahini Apaches, which she was that mm-hmm. was, that was Victorio's uh, band, and the Chiricahuas which were basically uh, uh, Naiche's band. When she when uh, she was shipped east, she went with uh, Nane, who was uh, uh, like the, the, the lead man along with uh, Loco mm-hmm. back east. And so she went, she was shipped to Florida uh, over five months before Geronimo surrendered. Oh, okay. And uh, and he didn't he didn't have uh, have anything to do with it. There's a you know the famous picture of of the uh, of the band sitting on the uh, on the uh, train berm with the with the, uh, the the train behind them. You right. Know the picture I'm talking about. Yeah. Because she's identified in some of those. It. Yeah. I know, and it and it's wrong. Okay, that's good that to know. Identified the woman. The woman that is identified was actually Perico's wife. She was one of the women that uh, uh, he and Geronimo and three or four others uh, stole when they tried to get back their wives uh, from Fort uh, Apache in eighteen eighty five after. Uh, they had been uh, captured by Wirt Davis when he raided uh, Geronimo's camp. Mm-hmm. And so uh, uh, Bayonetta was, was, the, uh, was the lady's name. Uh, and, uh, you know, she was basically kidnapped uh, along with the, uh, with the Mescalero woman that uh, Geronimo married. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, she and, and Perico had a had a long and happy life together, as a matter of fact. But and I can imagine, you know, she's she's really quite a striking woman. There, there's another picture of her uh, taken with a group at uh, when they were in San Antonio, uh, where there were there were several that were uh, standing against a wall, and uh, she's in that in that photo also but uh the the idea that that uh uh, she was she was with geronimo's band is just not right that's totally wrong okay we gotta stop in there and take our uh, next break unfortunately so we are talking with michael farmer his uh, book geronimo 
23 years as a prisoner of war from 1886 to 1909. Todd Roberts is in Los Angeles. Bunker de France is on the other side of the glass, as we yep. like to say. Bing, bing, and I'm here bing. right here, so we're going to do this, and we're going to be back with uh, much more of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West right after these messages. When looking for a property management company, here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. The Paul Ash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Paul Ash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, First, contact the Paul Ash Management Company today at paulashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Paul Ash Management Company, property managers you can trust. Man, this is frustrating. It's taken me like five minutes just to load my homepage. Did you try Control-Alt-Delete? Uh-huh. Did you jiggle the cord? Uh-huh. Did you turn it on and off again? Uh-huh. Call Arizona Computer Guru. Don't let viruses get you down. With our Guru Protection Service, we'll keep you virus-free. In fact, if you were to get a virus, we would fix it for free. Speak to a technician right now at 304-8300 or at azcomputerguru.com. Hello? I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right. It's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this podcast. Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Tom, the host of the Movie Zealots podcast, and I'm inviting you to give the Movie Zealots podcast a listen. Every episode, my co-hosts and I review the latest box office releases, but there's more than simply just that. We also play games like the Alexa quote of the show and may the odds be ever in your favor and have a from the cutting room floor segment that is an open forum to discuss anything from our thoughts of a Netflix TV series to our experiences with movie subscriptions such as the AMC Stubs or MoviePass. So, after finishing this podcast, please give the Movie Zealots podcast a listen. We can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Play. Simply search Movie Zealots. Until then, that's a wrap. Stranger, you just yupped yourself into a hole in the head. This is the Voices of the West. Just can't resist Yosemite Sam, I'm sorry. Uh, golden <laughs> rabbit. <laughs> Oh, my favorite character. There you go. Yeah, I loved him. I loved him when he played the Hessian. Yes, <laughs> he, he keeps shooting the uh, the cannonballs at Bugs, and somehow Bugs gets him to 
to roll up a ramp and go back at him. I know. It's classic, classic stuff, man. Classic yeah. stuff. Oh, he made a good pirate. Yeah. That's right. Yes, we, we, we're back on Abel Franzi's Voices of the West Saturday afternoon, the 4th of April here. And uh, who knows what it is where you're listening now or if you're or listening. Or when you're live, listening. Or, or how, when you're listening. Yeah. But uh, we're talking with author Michael Farmer about his book, uh, Geronimo, 23 Years as a Prisoner of War. Todd Roberts is in Los Angeles, Bunker to France on the other side there, and I'm on this side. Yes, you are on that side. You know, and Michael, I want to just start out by thanking you, uh, because that's one of the reasons we do the show, is to, in essence, uncover mistakes or errors or things that have gotten ironed into history that need to get ironed out. And, you know, I appreciate that because I can't think of the, I can't think of innumerable uh, copies of that picture in various books that always repeats that yeah. same mistake. So thank you very yeah. much. Um, I think as, I far, as, as far as I know, I don't think that there's a, a picture, an actual photograph of Lozen anywhere. Yeah. That would make sense, you know, because... Well, I've, I've got... I, wait, wait, Todd's got a question. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Todd. Um, I wanted to ask you, Mr. Farmer... Um, I had a very close friend who was an American Indian, but he was also a historian. I can't hear. He said, uh, Todd's saying he has a close friend uh, who was an American Indian, and go ahead and I'll translate back. Apparently, he I was also it. a historian. And he was a historian. Uh, and he said that the, the, when Geronimo surrendered, it was the women in the band. They were only down to about 30 people. And it was the women who negotiated the surrender with the U.S. Cavalry. Is that true? So the question is, was it the women who remained in the band with Geronimo? Were they the ones who actually negotiated the surrender? Uh, no, that was uh, uh, Geronimo and the and the uh, and the men that negotiated the surrender. In fact, it was Geronimo and. Uh, Naichi with uh, mm-hmm. with uh, Lieutenant Gatewood, uh, and then you know it's it's funny they 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 basically surrendered in Mexico in late August and then uh, rode up across the border to Skeleton Canyon where they were supposed to meet uh, General Miles and uh, Captain Lawton who had who had escorted them in order to protect them from uh, from the Mexicans and even some uh, some American troops uh, burned up the wires for a couple of days begging uh, miles to come down and accept the surrender of, uh, of Geronimo he was ready to he was ready to surrender but he again he was afraid that uh, Geronimo might uh, might run off then and and uh, ruin his career again. And he even hinted to uh, uh, Lawton that it would be a good thing that if if uh, they tried to escape, they would all be killed. Yeah. You know, hint, hint. <laughs> yeah. Todd, where did that information come from? A, a, a friend who's also Native that, American? That came from uh, my good friend uh, Larry uh, Larry Sellers, who. Mm-hmm. Uh, was uh, part of uh, Arapaho and part of Jibbawe. Mm-hmm. He was the actor on uh, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. Okay. He was also the, the basically the naked chief on horseback in the good uh, 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 the quick and the dead mm-hmm. with Sam Elliott and Tom Conti. Mm-hmm. And oh, uh, he was an actor for many years and mm-hmm. he took a lot of pride in studying sure. a few subjects. One of them, Geronimo, the other subject crazy horse and the little bighorn and he said that he said it was the women who would send you know from what his his research had told him Mm -hmm. was that the women negotiated the surrender or at least the women basically said enough's enough time to yeah time time to time to bag it time Mm -hmm. to throw in the towel Mm -hmm. i just want to add to that though if you if you study the Native American culture, uh, and women had a, had an important role to play in council and stuff like that, but they abso- played absolutely no role in any of the negotiations or treaties. Uh, that was strictly done with, by the men, and 
Uh, that's again. That's part of the reason we do the show is to is to take stuff like that, which unfortunately creeps into urban legend, and and uh, we don't want to be part of the. Well, I can I can imagine the women saying, you know, enough is enough. We're tired. And, and, yeah. and, and I understand yeah. the culture. I understand how the culture operates. Yeah, but it I, is a maternal culture. Yeah, but I can uh, also it, understand. You know, I can also understand that they would say, "That's it. We're done." But yeah, it, and, they were still uh, subservient to the men, and yeah. it was, and it was uh, the, the roles that each each sure. sex yeah. played. Yeah. Michael, let's give you. Let's get your feedback on that. Well, that when uh, the the chief and his medicine man and sub chiefs were the ones that did the talking to the to the enemy. But uh, 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 the women certainly had a uh, had a uh, a role to play in in uh, being strong advisors to uh, uh, to their uh, to their husbands, and uh, and they were they were listened to. You know, I mean, uh, a a uh, an Apache woman was different than say a Sioux woman in terms of uh, of uh, culture they were the the Apaches were uh, uh, and I'll probably get get shot for saying this but they <laughs> were in their in their uh, in their culture a lot more like uh, like we are when it comes to uh, to how women were treated the 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 women were were uh, partners basically with their with their husbands but the husband had had the, uh, had the final authority mm-hmm. in the way that they uh, that they did things he was the head that's yeah. not true yeah and that's not true in every uh, single uh, Indian culture or or uh, uh, across across the universe here in the United States right. because yeah. uh, there were cultures where uh, where the women were dominant but not with the apaches mm-hmm. and especially in the eastern tribes yeah, yeah. well and as my yeah, mother that's used exactly to say, right as my mother used to say who collected native american history and art and culture for 40 years driving across the united states back and forth and so on and knew many many tribal elders and members and chiefs and so on and whenever we'd come across somebody who was shall we say quite a bit ignorant about indian culture She'd always say, and they, as we left and got in the car and drove away, she'd never insult anyone to their face, but she'd say to me, <laughs> my goodness, <laughs> not, not all Indians live in teepees. <laughs> and I can just see your mother doing that, Todd. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I've got, I've got another little... I, well, before you do oh, that, we got to do our final commercial break. Break, break. break it, break it, So Harry. we're going to do that first, and then we come back with Bunker's question. And before we do even any of that stuff, I'm going to tell you that popular history does remind us that women gained the right to vote in 1920 with the 19th Amendment to the Constitution. But if you pick up a copy of Chris Enns' book, No Place for a Woman, this is her latest book, you're going to learn something new, that women were voting as early as 1870 in the Wyoming Territory. Enns tells us the stories of three women whose work and lobbying helped usher in a new era for expanding women's rights. Now, this is a must-have book for your Western collection. Get your copy of No Place for a Woman at Amazon.com, at BarnesandNoble.com, or at ChrisEnds.com. And listen for Chris on Voices of the West on April 18 at 4 to hear more of the story of No Place for a Woman. And we'll also talk about the pink, so be staying tuned for that. We'll be back with much more right after this. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were built. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda, 
that's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallion.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. Hi, this is Joe Montaigne. Every time my Uncle Willie tells me about his service in Patton's Third Army in World War II, I'm reminded of what we owe the U.S. Army. Fourteen generations of American soldiers who have courageously defended our nation. Their stories represent the best of America and should never be forgotten. Join me to help build the National Museum of the United States Army, a long overdue tribute to all American soldiers. To learn more, Visit armyhistory.org. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 ski fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting plays courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out. At TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. Was it you or Jeff here that plugged Tom Dillon in the back? I didn't do it, Ma. Somebody shoot Dillon? You're not going to get away with it this time. You didn't give him the chance I'm going to give you. You're healed, so go for your guns. I won't have no fighting. Stand back and hold your horses. I come here for justice. Not the kind you shorthorns deal out. Make your play. This is the Voices of the West. We come back on the nice lilting guitar tones of the great Johnny Bond. And I'm here for justice, not the kind you short. Oh, that's bad. That's bad, Hoppy. There. Yeah, I like that. I love Hoppy. That, that was bad, Hoppy. The only yeah. only movie the mean the, Hoppy. He, mean Hoppy. He was. Uh, I don't remember the title of it, but it's the only one. It, it's one where he actually told a kid. He told off a kid, and the kid was like. Ah, whoa, ah, Hoppy, <laughs> but of course he was playing a role. They were faking it. All right, uh, this is the waning moments here of uh, Emil Francie's Voices of the West. Our guest is Michael Farmer. His book, Geronimo, Twenty Three Years a Prisoner of War. Bunker to France on the other side of the glass over there, and uh, Todd Roberts is in Los Angeles, and on the horn is our guest, Michael Farmer. Well, you know, instead of the question I was going to ask. I, I want to do. Let's do a little business for Michael here. Uh, first off, uh, tell us a little bit about Five Star Publications, and then how folks can, uh, you know, get a copy of your book. And if you have any blogs or a way to people to yeah, follow you, pu- all of that shameless promotion uh, PR stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, uh, Five Star is one of the. Uh, uh, if not the premier uh, uh, Western fiction publishing firms in the country right now, and uh, uh, they they really do their books. Their their primary market is for uh, is for libraries. Uh, you can you can find the uh, uh, the the Odyssey of Geronimo on uh, Amazon. It'll be out. Uh, the 20th of May uh, and you can pre-order now uh, if you're interested in uh, uh, the little essays like uh, are in uh, Geronimo Prisoner of Lies you can go to uh, 
uh, website, wmichaelfarmer.com. Uh, scroll down to the bottom of the first page and click on uh, on uh, Facebook, and it'll carry you to my Killer of Witches page, where I publish a uh, an essay about about uh, uh, the Apaches and uh, and the history behind behind the uh, behind the novels. Great. Well, you know, I'm, I'm just oh, and the books are also available at Amazon.com as well as BarnesandNoble.com. All those major booksellers. Uh, there's a, and there's a slew uh, of right, books out that's, there. That's right. There's a slew of okay. Well, I've got. I guess I got another question. In. What is what is a question or, or comment that you're frequently asked or receive about your work and your books? Uh, well, people always want to know why it is, uh, or or how it is that uh, uh, a, a guy with a PhD in physics wound up writing uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Western fiction. Why and, not? Uh, <laughs> that, well, exactly. But uh, you know that Einstein said that that uh, the most important thing in physics was the imagination mm-hmm. and the same thing goes the same thing goes for uh, for fiction and uh, uh, I I had read a uh, an introduction in uh, Oakley Hall's Warlock uh, where he said that the business and I'm paraphrasing the business of uh, of uh, fiction is to find the truth and not the facts. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, what he was talking about was the was the emotional truth. But uh, I I became very interested when I lived in Las Cruces in uh, what happened with the Fountain murders, and uh, decided that I would write myself a little story about about uh, uh, what happened there, in the hopes that I might get some better insight into uh, who might have. Who might have done the deed, and uh, the end result of that was uh, a, a, a trilogy that uh, Five Star has has published, and uh, the first book in it is called uh, Mariana's Night, and it and it uh, uh, I think that the the assumption that I made for the book is is real dramatic license which assumed that that the little boy survived the murder of his father but that's that's another story entirely and uh uh, i i I just discovered after uh, i started started uh writing for myself that uh i i really enjoyed it and uh i i learned things that i would just never have learned otherwise uh as as uh uh, as I uh, read and wrote. Yeah, I agree. So that. that's. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I agree with that a hundred percent because it's like in doing research for these shows, uh, you know, it just it comes alive when you start digging into it and not just, you know, glossing over and taking somebody else's mm-hmm. say-so about something, but, you know, you go in and you get confirmation, you get questions, uh, you go up blind alleys, you you get distracted by other things, but it's just, it's that journey of, of learning and experiencing, and, you know, and then the fruit of actually putting it down into something a vessel that carries that information. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly right. Yeah. Well, well, what what have you got coming up in the future? Yeah. Uh, well, I've I've got a, uh, a a book. I haven't signed the contract yet, but uh, Five Star uh, promises that they'll be sending one. It's called the Iliad of Geronimo, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it. It it begins ten years before he uh, he surrendered to General Miles. Nice, uh, and and with the the one and only time that he was actually captured and put in the guardhouse. Mm-hmm. And I'm also uh, uh, working now on a uh, on the story of uh, Trinidad Verdin. Uh, are you familiar with that? 
I'm trying to mm-hmm. place it, but I'm, I'm having a problem. Yeah, and unfortunately, we're rapidly running out of time here, so we'll be looking for that. Michael, thank you so much for joining thank us today. You. Appreciate it uh, very thank much. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate it. You bet. Todd, thank you for joining hey. us, too. It's been a real thank honor. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me. It was All nice right. to speak with you, sir. We'll be back next time on Amo Franzi's Voices of the West. Hope you're with us, too. So long. 78, 79, 80. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Todd, you there? I'm here. Michael, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, I'm trying to figure out here one second. Um... I know that's why I can't I, I get I can't I can't make Todd listen to him because of the way things are set up here I think Well you know oh. you're doing a very decent job Yeah I'm doing of, a job let's uh, put it that way all right. Uh, uh, George Ratton here. Oh, yeah. Do you know who he is? Uh, not a clue. But anywho, uh, so, Todd, speak, please. Um, well, I guess uh, one thing I'd love to ask you is, <clears throat> out of all the people who have ever played Geronimo, who's the best? Um, who did who did you think was the best? I can't hear Okay, yeah, he's, he still, still can't hear, but the question was, uh, out of all of the actors who played Geronimo, do you have a favorite or one who did the best? Uh, in in my humble opinion, West Duty mm-hmm. did the best. I have a question. Uh,